I encourage you to read the talks once again and to ponder the messages contained therein. I found in my own life I gain even more from these inspired sermons when I study them in greater depth. The basic pattern is to identify the fundamental doctrine or principle that's being taught. Find any invitations associated with and related to that doctrine or principle. And then also recognizing the promised blessings if we act in accordance with that invitation. Welcome to Words of the Prophets podcast. My name is Todd. I'm here with my daughter, Leah, and my friend, Rivka. And this is a podcast where we discuss the latest talks from the General Conference of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. How are you today, Leah? I'm good. Great. Any invitations you've been working on? Um, Always removing the debris, but that one has been remarkably easy when all of the debris was forcefully taken from me. <laughs> um... <laughs> All the stuff I was working on is no longer an issue. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and how has that transition been? Um, rough the first day, but not not bad the other days. Good. So tell me, tell me more about that. What made it rough, and what sorts of things have been uh, forcibly taken? <laughs> <laughs> well, mostly the the debris I am specifically talking about was um, use of like technology in various ways. And our use of technology as missionaries is very limited, including um, the music I can listen to, which uh, is basically just the music from the church's green music app that they have. Right. And it's a bunch of cheesy pop covers, or not covers, just cheesy pop songs, which isn't really my uh, style. No. (laughs) But, you know, good messages. So, um, but yeah, it's been... I think it was Elder Nelson that said when um, everything is focused on Christ, all of your issues become non-issues or so many issues become non-issues. And I feel like that's like as soon as I um, was asked to set everything aside and spend almost every hour of my day focusing solely on Christ, then like it's not even a temptation because it's it's not an option (laughs) because I'm just solely focused on Christ. So Great. I love it. And how how have you gone from that first day, which was rough, and you were sort of realizing what you were giving up to now? It's just been changing your focus, or have there been other things that made a difference? Um, there was we watched a devotional in the MTC by Elder Razband mm. um, when he was talking to some missionaries in January, and he said that you can't look back, you have to look forward, you have to reach forward for the blessings that are ahead. So I think on the first day, I was like in the middle. And that's why it was so hard. Like I knew that blessings would come, but I wasn't quite like reaching for them in the moment. But they were telling us over and over, like, you're going to be so like, this is the happiest you will ever be. It says that on page (laughs) one of of Preach My Gospel, this is the happiest you will ever be. And then I wasn't, I was like, <laughs> what? <laughs> um, but I think as soon as I just like completely left everything to the Lord, then everything got easier. Awesome. I love it. I wondered on that first day, I was wondering if you had actually gone to the MTC, if it would have been an easier transition. I have no idea. Yeah. It's hard to predict, but you're sort of in your same space and people around you. I mean, we're not playing music or movies or whatever when you're around, but it's still, you know, part of our lives and Mm -hmm. there's some familiarity here. So yeah. Interesting. I think I've, 
I was really impressed at how I, I know you're a resilient person, but I was impressed at how quickly you sort of bounced back from that and shifted your focus. I was impressed. <laughs> <laughs> I I thought that the the feelings, the negative feelings I had on the first day would last a lot longer than they did. But I woke up the second morning and I was like, oh, this is great. I'm happy that I'm doing this and everything has been fine since. Good. Mm-hmm. And that might not be fine the whole time. Right. Yeah. And now I know at least that like... It can I be. mean, I, <clears throat> I already knew that it would it would eventually stop and like I get over those things and there's bumps in the road. But like sure. I just experienced another one. So I know even more now that, <laughs> that I can get over the bumps. Yeah. Awesome. Um, when I was a missionary in the MTC, because everybody loves stories from somebody's mission 25 years ago, um, Elder Holland came and he gave a talk and it was like Elder Holland unleashed because he wasn't on camera and he wasn't in the conference center or the tabernacle. <laughs> and so he, he was fired up. And partway through the talk, he just went totally off script. And he basically started yelling and pulpit pounding like he was a Baptist preacher. And he's I like, I want to see this talk. Oh, it was so good. He was like, and I don't want to hear about any of you going home. I don't want to hear about any of you. And he's pounding the pulpit and yelling. And then he stops and he sort of thinks for a second. He's like, wait a minute. I want to be the first one to hear about it. I will go with you. I will get in your suitcase. I will come to your mission and I will keep you there until oh you God. finish out your mission. Oh, that's fantastic. And, uh, it was just, he's, you know, he's so powerful in how he speaks. And this was like him instead of well-crafted and sort of these beautiful language and whatever, it was just like fire from his, <laughs> from his soul. That's fantastic. And um, I think, you know, there are fewer people, there were fewer people then sort of going home be, because of r- reasons unrelated to worthiness. So like it just, the mission's not working out for you or mental health challenges arise or whatever. But that seems to be something very common today. And um, so it's a good thing to have experienced right out of the gate. Like, oh, this is going to be hard. And, yeah. and to overcome that and to know, all right, the solution is turn to Christ and it'll work out. So. Um, great, <laughs> great, great, says Tony the Tiger. Says Tony the Tiger. Um, Rivka, how are you today? I'm doing, I'm doing good. <laughs> oh, I was waiting for you to say great. <laughs> I should have, but instead I went with good, which isn't even, you know, proper grammar. She didn't, but... she didn't want to bend to the trend. Bend to the I trend. did not. I'm just going to be my, my weird old self. Yeah. I guess. No. Okay, I'm great. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <Woo>. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so tell me what invitations you've been working on, Ripka. Uh so I had said that the uh talk on compassion by Elder Soros was kind of a like that one hit me in my heart. So even and then it had hit me in my heart before we discussed. And then after we talked about it for the podcast, I sat down with my journal and I made a page that's titled compassion, a two week study. And I am actively, um, I'm trying to actively pay attention to my interactions and see 
where compassion is happening, where I can do it better. And I'm just kind of keeping like a two or three sentence note each day for two weeks to try to improve my, my ability to be aware of that, improve my awareness of it. And what's your experience been so far? Um, it has been as I think any attempt with the gospel is great and difficult, you know, any attempt at growth in the gospel. So, um, remembering sometimes I, it's been like at night and I think I didn't actually think about this all day, but let me go back and kind of remember the interaction. So I'm still early days in, in training myself, um, or allowing the, the Lord to help train me to do this, but I am able to see, I think the most interesting thing that I'm learning right off the bat, and we kind of talked about this is the different ways that compassion can be shown and that it's happening like multiple different ways in, in my interactions with people. And so that has been, that's been good for me to see like, Oh, maybe I'm not as, as uncompassionate or, or mindlessly compassionate as I thought, (laughs) but it's happening and it's helping me to to learn and see better how compassion works in my daily life. Fantastic. I think, um, what's the Ben Franklin quote, anything, um, not recorded, but measured, anything measured, something about measuring it. So good job. (laughs) That was a terrible quote. (laughs) What? (laughs) Also, I never, (laughs) yeah, it was inspiring. I know. Um, I will look that up at some point during the, t- the our discussion here and get back to you. Um, also, I never thought I would hear the phrase mindlessly compassionate. It just, <laughs> it makes me think of like zombies, like walking around giving out gift bags or something like, well, <laughs> take some that, gifts, gifts. Of, right? Like we have these like, okay, these are five compassionate acts. And so as long as I'm doing those, it's fine, but it's kind of mindless, right? Like I'm going right. to be just not thinking about it. I'm just doing the doing and I'm right. going to count it. But yeah, I don't know. That is funny though. <laughs> zombies. <laughs> spiritual zombies. We could go off Spir- on this. <laughs> yes. Spiritual zombies. Oh, oh man. No. <laughs> I'm loving that. That is going to be my next ward conference talk. Oh no. <laughs> Oh, Brains. can it be zoomed so I can hear it? <laughs> Always. Send Always me the link. Uh, I will. Oh, boy. Well, um, I'm still working on the invitation to read through the mental health part of the Gospel Library app. I'm going to do that part of it, at least today. Um, I'm going to give a quick story, though, about clearing the debris, since that's one we're working on all the time. So this morning... I attended a baptism in our ward, two uh, cute little girls who are twins, and I showed up early I would, in what I thought was plenty of time to blow off leaves off of the sidewalks. We have these beautiful trees, old growth sort of trees that drop millions of leaves all over our sidewalks every fall, and then they get tracked into the building, and then there are leaves everywhere in the building. And so I thought, all right, I'm going to blow these off today. And they'll be, you know, and that'll be in time for the baptism and it'll work for church tomorrow as well. There are two entrances to the building. So I started blowing off the entrance that is most used. And as I'm doing that, 
the family shows up and literally the whole baptismal party walks down the sidewalk that I haven't blown off (laughs) (laughs) and tracks leaves into the building, which is fine. Um, It wasn't a lot of leaves and it wasn't bad. And, but I sat there thinking, wow, I'm too, I, you know, I was too little too late here. Like I didn't show up early enough. I didn't plan that far enough ahead. And I thought that is just so much like the gospel because in the end, you know, me, myself, whatever my efforts are, they might feel like they're too little too late. But as long as I'm giving the effort at clearing that debris, the atonement will make up the rest. And in this case, in this parable of the leaves, uh, you know, a vacuum <laughs> is is a great way to make up the difference there. You just go in and vacuum out whatever leaves were tracked in. So, but as I was blowing those leaves and my efforts were in vain, I thought, well, I'm clearing the debris, but it's not working very well, but <laughs> that's okay. Sometimes it doesn't. And we just re, you know, try again and the Lord will continue to bless us. So, and that applies to our talk today, which we're we haven't even started talking about. We're twelve minutes in. <laughs> oh know. no, this is definitely going over time. <laughs> Where he talks about the slope and how much more the slope is important than the um, intercept. intercept. So, the talk is becoming more in Christ: the parable of the slope by Elder Clark G. Gilbert. And I personally want to just start and say that my favorite part of this talk is when he calls himself the, the toothless, toothless wonder. wonder. <laughs> and there's an awesome And there's picture. this glorious picture <laughs> of him with one gigantic tooth. It's fantastic. Oh, it's so good. I, I'm so, what a humble man to put that picture in for <laughs> all the, the world to see. So. to see. Oh, fantastic. Well, Aaliyah, what was the doctrine, fundamental doctrine being taught here? Um, He says, our future will be ter- determined far less by our starting point and much more by our slope. Jesus Christ sees the divine potential no matter where we start. Okay. So can you tell us about the slope <laughs> and the intercept and what that means? Yes. And by the way, I was told there would be no math. So apparently <laughs> we need to know about slopes to get into heaven. Come on. How do we work uh-huh, this out? Yep. <laughs> Good thing it's so easy that even I can understand it. Um, And I don't like math. So the slope is the angle of the line. So if it's angled upwards or downwards, and the intercept is how high or low it starts on the y-axis, which is the left line on the graph. And so... Um, he had a, a graphic that he showed. I don't, is it in the written talk? No, I was actually so sad that the thing that he showed on the talk on the video wasn't mm-hmm. in yeah, the talk. I the really wanted thing. the graph to be in the talk, yeah, but it wasn't. But he has a graph in there. So if you go look at yeah, the if video, you watch it, yeah. um, it's easier to visualize. But yeah, so the intercept is how high you start and the slope is which direction you're heading. Okay, so tell us more about that and why it's important. It's important because... Some people who start high up on the intercept, like their intercept is high, they may fall into the trap of thinking that they are like already up high, so they don't need to, you know, be angled upwards. Um, And some people who start low think that maybe, um, maybe it's it's so difficult for them to get up to where someone else may have started that it's not worth trying or that they'll never get there or it's it's not worth trying to angle their slope upwards as well. Yeah. So in the talk, he kind of addresses both groups of people and gives specific invitations to like 
combat both of those mindsets. Yeah. And we'll read about that a little bit more in detail in a moment. Um, I think <clears throat> the the part I highlighted as the fundamental doctrine says the same thing Muir says. It's just a different part of the talk. And he said, brothers and sisters, in this church, we believe in the divine potential of all God's children and in our ability to become something more in Christ. In the Lord's timing, it is not where we start, but where we are headed that matters most. Mm-hmm. And interestingly, there's a footnote there. There's a lot of footnotes in this one. And he um, footnotes his own talk <laughs> from January, <laughs> which I thought was kind of funny um, that he footnotes himself. But actually, the talk is called The Mismeasure of Man. And, he, and the talk says, in this message, I explored how the world often mismeasures human potential. Even well-meaning individuals who draw on the important work of leading psychologists who advocate concepts of grit and growth mindset underestimate real human capacity when they rely only on learned patterns and ignore our divine potential in Christ. So that is going on my must-read list. Yeah, so. for sure. Well, Rivka, what was the fundamental doctrine here to you, or did you have anything else to expound upon what Ali and I felt was the fundamental doctrine? No, I think it's exactly the same. And I'll read a quote where he says it a third time in a different way. So he's, really, <laughs> yes. he's really getting it into us. Um, he says, no matter where we start, Christ considers what we do with what we are given. While the world focuses on our intercept, God focuses on our slope. In the Lord's calculus, he will do everything he can to help us turn our slopes toward heaven. So, yeah, I love it. It's that same thing where the the focus, like, and he goes into it, and we'll probably talk about that, like, the things we should be focusing, keeping our focus on, rather than, that will help us grow, rather than the ones that will keep us stunted. Yes. I love it. And just to describe the picture that was in the the video, you know, he's got a graph, and there's one line that starts way at the top of the graph and another that starts at the bottom, but the one at the top goes down or trends downward and the other trends up and they crisscross in the middle. And by the end of the graph, the one that started low ends up high and the one that started high ends up low. Um, So yeah, let's dig into that more. So um, Rivka, um, what did he have to say about starting on the low side of the graph or with a low intercept as, as he called it? Okay, I got to find it on my page. There are so many pictures. I know, there are. are. And some of them are fantastic. (laughs) Oh no, I wanted the toothless one too. (laughs) Yes, there are some. Okay. Um, So he said, he gives counsel to both those who have a low intercept or starting point and those who have a higher interceptor starting point. So his advice to those um, who, let me see, he says, well, really, um, I'm going to look it up this way. I don't know why I can't. I'm getting lost in the pictures. I'm telling you. Okay. I think it's right above the, the picture of him with, the, or I don't know if he's there, but yes. with the youth in Boston. Yes. Okay. Let me share two areas of encouragement for those facing difficult starting circumstances. First, focus on where you're headed and not where you began. So that's that thing. Like keep your focus on the one that will help you grow rather than the one that keeps you there. If you're just focusing on on the 
difficulty or the, um, maybe all of this, like we can get wrapped up in like, here are all of the reasons this plan won't work. Right. Or all the things that could potentially go wrong rather than here's the point we're going to work toward. And if we hit failure or we hit something that doesn't work, we're going to just like, like the GPS is say, like recalculating, right. We're just going (laughs) to maybe figure out a different method or a different path or something else. Um, so focus on where you're headed and not where you began. Um, and he says, over-focusing on a difficult starting point can cause it to define you and even constrain your ability to choose. Um, and then the second um, piece of advice he gives is to involve the Lord in the process of lifting your slope. And I loved that sentence. And at the end of that paragraph, this one too. We must do our best, which includes repentance, but it's only through the Lord's grace that we can realize our divine potential, right? So in the last talk that we discussed, although Christopherson's talk, he talked about um, like that, I, that idea that we have sometimes of doing everything on our own merit, or like we have to do all this stuff before the Lord's help kicks in. And right. he's once again, teaching us that the Lord's help begins the second we start working if we involve him. Um, there's right. no, there's no place we have to get to on our own where then we meet up with the Lord. He is right there with us from the beginning in the worst of circumstances. And we see that throughout the new Testament in his mortal ministry, he is there with the people, you know, at the pool of Bethesda and he is there in the homes with, with the sinners and the publicans and, and prostitutes. And this, he is with them where they are in their beginnings, whatever their beginnings and working with them from the first step if when they let him. Yeah. Fantastic. I love it. I want to go back to that first principle of people who um, feel like their intercept is lower, maybe on the low end. Mm-hmm. And uh, he says, because, but fo- over-focusing on a difficult starting point can cause it to define you and even constrain your ability to choose. And so you mentioned that Rivka, um, <clears throat> I've, I've used this phrasing before, but it's something that really clicks for me and Aliyah might know what I'm going to say here. But, um, for me, this is the difference between acknowledging and wallowing and that word wallow. I don't use it in a harsh or negative connotation, but just the idea that, uh, he's saying, you know, don't ignore your circumstances. There are real things that need to be addressed, whatever those might be tendencies, habits, addictions, um, mental health, physical health, uh, family situations, financial situations, like there's, they're innumerable, right? Um, but if that becomes how you see yourself in totality, then, then you're stuck and you're stopped. But if you see yourself as someone with divine potential, knowing that you can overcome this, then at least you can take that first step. It doesn't automatically turn you from baby Simba into King Simba. Um, You know, there's years of wandering through the jungle, eating bugs in between those two (laughs) things. Um, But eventually that will come um, through the help of the gospel and through the help of, of the atonement as he goes on and says, says next. And he tells that story about the inner city youth. Um, Aliyah, tell us a little bit about that story and what he says here. Um, there was a group of youth that he was, uh, serving with in Boston 
And they were, uh, he says, they were largely new to the gospel and to the expectations of the church. And he said it was hard for him to um, uh, not lower the God's standards for them because of his empathy for them. Um, and he said, I eventually realized that the most powerful way to show my love was to never lower my expectations. And so um, he worked with them and they focused on the potential and they elevated their slopes. And he says, today they have served missions, have graduated from college, have been married in the temple and are leading remarkable personal and professional lives. So we've talked about this several times already, but um, <clears throat> our our religion is high demand because uh, it's full of high love. There's a lot of the gospel is love and therefore has high expectations for us. Um, just like a lot of parents might have um, high expectations for their kids because they love them and they want good things for them. Okay. So how has this principle impacted your life and specifically um, how have how have the expectations of me and Deanna um, impacted how you've you know gone about doing what you do? Um, I don't know. I think for me, I have always had just kind of a natural sense of duty, and so I have done what you asked purely because it was what you asked <laughs> for a lot of my life until I was finally able to like um, understand why you were asking it or, or maybe I knew why, but maybe the, the benefits of, of doing things like going to bed at nine 30 when you have seminary at six the next morning, which right. is, you know, maybe not something I would want to do. And it's definitely not something my friends were like, you know, excited about. They're like, why do you, why are you going to bed? That's so early. And I'm like, you try waking up at five 30 in the morning, <laughs> but I didn't like, I don't know. I think there's, when you follow the expectations, eventually you'll come to understand the benefit of um, meeting them. And I think for me, now that I've uh, like had so much expectation on me and I've met so many of them, I, I can like meet more expectations that are expected of me from God and myself and um, just keep, I guess, repeating the power, the pattern of having goals and progressing and, and never stopping and never losing sight of expectations and never just um, dropping, dropping the expectations on the ground, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And as a parent, I think it's hard to emulate what the Lord does, <clears throat> although we don't always interpret this the way I think he intends it which is providing those expectations without making our love conditional on those expectations. So, for example, we know and knew that you could get good grades, but to not attach the your understanding of our love for you to the success of those grades. So, m meaning trying to communicate in a way that shows that we love you no matter what grade you get, we also know your capability and want to help you reach your potential because we love you. <clears throat> we want you to achieve, you know, all, all your goals and your highest potential. Um, so I'm not sure we always did that, um, but, you know, we tried to do that. And uh, it's a hard thing to do as a parent, but 
the, that's what the Lord's telling us. And sometimes it's very, 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 very easy to feel like high expectations means low love and that, well, you know, this is, you're being demanded something or you're doing it just out of duty and it doesn't feel like there's a lot of love attached, but there's always love. And I would say high love and high support from the Lord as well. So yeah, for sure. Uh, Rivka, anything to add about that before we go in depth on the next segment here about high intercept? I don't think so. I'm ready. Let's talk about the next one. Okay. Well, I have one more thing. Okay. Leah's got <laughs> go one more thing. Um, <laughs> so he says um, to involve the Lord in the process of lifting your slope, which I think Rivka already read, but he tells a story of um, uh, in the BYU pathway program. Um, I think this story is actually in the end. So in the next section, but it applies now. So I'm going to read it. Um, <laughs> he, he says he was talking about the, um, he's talking to a person about the success of the BYU pathway program. Um, and he said that the person he was talking to wanted a secular response, to, um, but he and so he gave him a secular response, but then at the end he said, the real reason our students are progressing is because we teach them their divine potential. Imagine if your whole life you were told you could never succeed, then consider the impact of being taught that you are an actual son or daughter of God with divine possibility. And then the other person replied, that's powerful. So I think when we um, are, are unified with the Lord um, in our maybe expectations of potential, then that's when we grow the most because he can help us where we can't help ourselves and which is a lot of the time. <laughs> and so the more that the Lord is there with us, the more we're going to grow because, um, you know, we are inherently linked with him through his sacrifice and through um, his love and our love for him. Fantastic. And this goes back to Elder Christopherson and Sister Corden and everyone who's talked about how much God loves us and our identity that's divine. And I'm just going to amend one thing you said, Aaliyah. Um, we often cannot help ourselves in, in ways that the Lord can, but he also wants to teach us how to help ourselves in so many ways. That makes sense. Um, you know, he doesn't want us to be dependent on him. Um, he wants us we are in so many ways, but he also wants us to strive for independence or maybe, well, I don't know if that's the right word, but he wants us to grow. Right. And so therefore we'll be able to handle more things ourselves. Mm -hmm. So, um, okay. So the gospel is to comfort the afflicted and afflict yeah. the comfortable. <laughs> so let's talk about starting with a high intercept. So, um, Let's maybe go back to Rivka, if you're okay with that, Rivka. What's sure. the second part of this talk, and what does he say about starting with a high intercept? Okay, so his two areas of counsel for those with what he calls an elevated starting point. And as I, as I read this and consider my life, I am certainly in this group. I was not born into a particularly wealthy family, but I was born into a family that had the gospel and I can say, honestly, I've never had a day's concern in my life about whether or not I would be able to meet my temporal needs. And right. so I think in comparison to <laughs> the, the majority of the people who've ever lived on earth, I'm part of this group. So um, 
I don't know. Just that's, that's where all of my thoughts are coming from is I'm a part of, I recognize I'm a part of this group. So here's the counsel. First, show some humility for circumstances we may not have created ourselves. Um, we have, uh, he quotes former BYU president Rex E. Lee. And he says, we have all drunk from wells we did not dig and warmed ourselves by fires we did not build. Um, which I hear that is, the, that is the bulk of my existence has been that. Um, and then the call when we recognize that is, um, to give back and replenish the wells that those who came before us built. And he said, failure to reseed the fields planted by others can be the equivalent of returning a talent without increase. And I love that he pulled that parable in, right? Because yeah. um, that's that's good imagery. We for for those who have been given blessings of the Lord, this is the expectation that He has um, that we yes. will that we will reseed the fields. However, and, however, we are blessed that we take that and and bless others. So, what does that mean exactly to you, Rivka? Um, so, you know, this is a it's a metaphor, so it can mean different things to different people. What, yeah. But what does it mean to you to reseed the f- the fields? So I actually wrote some thoughts out to the side about this that I was having for my specific things, um, ways that, or fields that I am currently trying to reseed. So one of the things that I thought about was my calling. I was mm. blessed by my participation in the Young Women's Program growing up. And at this point, my call to serve um, can be viewed as an opportunity to reseed that field and to to be a, a planter so that other young women can grow up and have this experience and be blessed through um, gospel application in the Young Women's Program the way that I was. So that's one way. Um, I also... Uh, am trying to reseed the fields of a gospel-centered home. So I grew up in one, which was a huge blessing. And now I am constantly working to create that for my children and allow them to do it. And then hopefully teach them to carry that on to, you know, their, their next generations. Um, and a third one that I thought of was just in my kindness to others. Uh, one of the one of the things that I think practicing gratitude gives us is an increased ability to see the ways in which uh, we are blessed, and then we can, if we're aware of those things, then we can pass that on to others. So, I can be grateful for acts of kindness or generosity or forgiveness that are given to me, and I can, in turn, offer those things to others. So, I think those are some for me. Those are some personal fields that I thought of that I. I'm working to recede. I love that sort of paying it forward. Yeah. It's that idea. Awesome. Well, Aaliyah, what was the second thing um, he said to, um, to, to do for those who have a high intercept? Um, He says, focusing on a high starting point can often trap us into feeling that we are thriving when in fact our inner slope may be quite stagnant. And he said the most successful people are the humblest because they are confident enough to be corrected by, wait, 
yeah, to be corrected by and learn from anyone. So I think this is an interesting quote because he says, um, the most successful people are the humblest because they are confident enough. And I think that that pretty accurately sums up my thoughts on, on uh, confidence versus humility. Um, and the focusing on a high starting point thing in the parable of the talents, um, the, the, servant that didn't increase his talents was only given one but what if that what if he was given six you know this this point of the story wouldn't have been any different he still didn't increase his talents like this the master wasn't upset with him because he still had the least amount of talents it was because he didn't grow them so even if even if he had the most talents of anyone because he didn't grow them the master still would have been upset with him and so I think if we focus on like, oh, I've been given this and this and this, or I, I am really good at this and this and this, then you are preventing yourself from growing in the areas that you are not good at and, and therefore fulfilling your full potential. Because your full potential isn't what you were born with. It's what you could have in the future. Right. And for me, this was the part where I personally felt <clears throat> the most sort of convicted was Sometimes it's easy to just coast on on your laurels or mm-hmm. just like, all right, well, I'm doing okay. And I'm a generally pretty optimistic, semi-oblivious person. And so <laughs> um, I've, had a, I've had conversations with Deanna where I'm thinking I'm doing a great job at something as, you know, husband or father. And then she'll be like, you know, um, let's talk about this. <laughs> And, and this whole time I had no idea that I wasn't, you know, if I had been paying more attention or seeking more counsel or correction, I would have been doing a better, I could have been doing so much better. Um, so uh, for me, this is the part that where I felt the most conviction was to just not be stagnant and let that slope be flat because in the gospel, a slap, a slat, a flat, (laughs) blah, 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 blah. A flat slope is also not good. I mean, you don't want it to go down either, but we want to constantly be going up. And of course, if you look at these graphs, most of the time, if you zoom way in, the line is jagged, right? It's like up and down, up and down, Mm -hmm. up and down. And then you zoom way out over 10 years. Like if you're looking at stocks or something, it's like our growth has been 18% over 20 years. But if you look at the actual slope, it's like down, up, down, up, down, up but usually trending upward. And Mm -hmm. that's really what it's like. Um, But we don't want to be flat either. So the invitation he attached to that was Elder D. Todd Christofferson counseled us to willingly find ways to accept and seek correction. Um, Even when things appear to be going well, we must seek out opportunities to improve through prayerful petition. Um, So that was the invitation that that hit me um, and made me uh, stop and think a minute about what I was doing in my life. So, Mm -hmm. Um, of course, we're way over time. Anything else to add, Aaliyah? What what got you so excited about this talk? Why did you love it so much? Um, I loved it because I felt like it spoke to me in the same way that you mentioned, but that it was so clear and straightforward. Um, I could tell that this guy thinks like me because in the first paragraph of the talk, he says, I systematically involved the Lord in my development. And I was like, who else uses the word systematically? Like something <laughs> like that. 
And so, I mean, that's, that's how I would have to do it in order to get that kind of thing done, you know, yeah. to involve the Lord. I would need to be, I, I would need to do it systematically. So I liked it because it was so clear and because, um, it's always something, it's something for all people. Like, it's not like, oh, if you have difficult life situations, here's a talk for you. It's here's a talk for you, period. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like everyone can use something from this talk. Yeah. And we should all be striving to be therefore perfect, right? Mm -hmm. Knowing that we won't reach that milestone in this life, but the striving, it's what, what's important, you know, strive mm -hmm. to be. So, um, I think we hit a lot of invitations or promises along the way. Rivka, anything else to add about invitations and promises or just from the talk in general? Well, one thought that I've had is that when we're looking at the, the graph that he gave us, it's a super zoomed in one. And if we zoom really far out to the point on the graph <laughs> where our slope needs to end up, where Heavenly Father is, we're regardless of where we feel like our intercept is here on earth, we're all mortal and fallen and really far away from where we need to be. Probably yeah. far enough away that it makes our difference in intercepts statistically insignificant. We are all fallen and not able to get back into the presence of God without his help. So this slope that we're working on, wherever we are, we have, we have our mountain to climb. And I, I hope that keeping that in mind helps us to um, withhold judgment for each other based on our perceived intercepts that are... Mm -hmm are intentionally, I mean, the, mortality is meant to be a challenge and a trial for all of us. And so regardless of whether we are, are born into impoverished circumstances, whether temporal or spiritual, or whether we're born into what seems like more, uh, what does he call them? Elevated <laughs> circumstances. Right. We are all of us far away from um, where our heavenly father wants us to be. And so, um, our, our journeys will be different in detail, but similar in exertion, I think. And with the help of God, we, we all have the potential to make it. Fantastic. I love that you said the word statistically insignificant or significant. That's, I mean, we're getting into some real math here, and I like it. <laughs> I have more math. Are you ready for this? Yes. Okay. I don't remember when in our discussion I thought of this, but it just came back to me. The pride cycle isn't actually a cycle. It's a parabola that goes <laughs> up and down. Yeah. <laughs> or maybe more accurate is a sine wave or it's something. It's a sine wave. It's a sine <laughs> wave. <laughs> but the parabola what's, keeps what's flipping. The, what's the frequency in hertz of that? Oh, very, very high. <laughs> Uh, I don't even know where to go with that. <clears throat> okay, well, math. Who knew math yeah, was salvation? Knew. So, <laughs> what? Uh, well, that was a great one, and I think this is one that I could come back and read, you know, over and over, or at least keep in my memory that just the idea of like keep, just keep swimming, right? Just keep swimming just upward. Keep rolling forward. Yes. Was it Uchtdorf that said something like that? I think so. I don't remember that, but it sounds good. <laughs> he would say just keep flying up, right? Yeah. 
Um, I think I'll just close with a combined invitation and promise here. He says, whether we start in abundant or difficult circumstances, let us keep our sights and our slopes pointed heavenward. As we do, Christ will lift us into a higher place. Okay, well, uh, the next talk we're going to discuss is A Faithful Search Rewarded by Elder Patricio M. Guafra. I don't know. I can't say it. (laughs) I'm not looking at the name. I got nothing. (laughs) So it's a name I can't pronounce, but I'm excited to talk about the talk. Um, You can find us on social media at Words of the Prophets Podcast on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook or words of the prophets podcast at gmail.com. So thank you to everyone for joining us today. And until next time, keep the faith. If we teach by the spirit and you listen by the spirit, some one of us will touch on your circumstance, sending a personal prophetic epistle just to you.